0: Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Okay, we've got to the end of James and we're looking at the fifth chapter and verses 13 to 20. And it's James continuing his practical pastoral advice. He's full of it and... um, This is what he says here. Any among you in trouble, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray to each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And at that point, James goes on to give... As he has done all the way through this letter, he goes on to give an illustration from the Old Testament. And this time he comes up with Elijah. He said, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it didn't rain in the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring you back, that person, sorry, if, some, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sin. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence to move in power through the words of Scripture and through the words of exposition that we share together now. In the name of Jesus, amen. So coming to the end of James, where he continues his advice concerning a faith that works. I don't know if you remember, but that was on the slide at the beginning that we had there, that James, a faith that works. So the focus today is, is prayer. And in this passage, it talks about powerful prayer or praying powerfully, whichever way you want to express it. Now, you had a question at the beginning. Uh, if someone said to you, what, what is prayer? What would you say to them? Anybody got any uh, thoughts about that? What would you say? (coughs) Sorry? Conversation with God. God. Yes, good. Any more than that? (laughs) Making time to speak to God and to listen. Making time to speak and to listen. Does anybody find listening difficult to God? Yeah, I do. I have a lot of trouble with that one yeah okay conversation with God it comes in a whole range of modes doesn't it a whole variety there's praise and singing of praise that's prayer thanking God asking God listening to God confessing to God declaring the truth about God there's a whole host of of ways in which prayer is manifest but as as you said Ruthie the The foundation of all that is communion, contact with, connection with an eternal God. Now wait a minute, he in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. And we, a little dot, a bit of dust in the whole of this creation, we get to be able to connect in some way. It's incredible. It's incredible. I like to think that prayer is like this. Anybody can talk to God at any time about anything in any circumstances. It's not confined to people who wear collars and it's not confined to people who go gently to church. It's not confined to... Holy people, anybody at any time in any circumstances can call on the name of god and i love the I love the verse in luke twenty three luke twenty three forty three it 's the words of the thief on the cross this for me is is it. Jesus responds to the cry of that Man nailed on the cross like Jesus, alongside Jesus, and Jesus says to him, Today you will be with me in paradise." Wow. Whatever he said, yes, it was a kind of confession. He had a word with the other thief on the other side of, of Jesus and said, "You know, what are you talking about? We're, we're, it's right for us to be here. It's not right for him to be here. And Jesus saw something. Was it faith? I don't know. A seed or something? But he said, boy, you're going to be with me in paradise presently. <laughs> that is amazing. So today we're talking about asking and about seeing results. This is mainly about seeing results of healing. Now, I like to have a definition. I kind of like to have those things in my head, a kind of a foundational thing. And I like this one for for communicating with God, for praying, for whatever all those were that we said at the beginning. What we're doing is we're releasing the power of God's coming kingdom into the here and now. Because when God's kingdom comes in all its fullness and Jesus returns, then guess what? Everything is made new. (laughs) Even you and me. And we don't long, long, we no longer need this this weak old body. <laughs> Jesus has revealed to us this kingdom, and this kingdom in what we call the now, but the not yet. The now and the not yet make sense when our prayers are answered and the kingdom. To come is demonstrated in the here and now. And we see that, definitely see that in healing. Now, James gave an example of Elijah. Well, I thought, no, I'm not going to think of some more Old Testament examples for you. I thought, let me think back over the years and let me think of some of the things that I've seen happen. And perhaps we can learn a little bit from that. There's always a degree of faith needed when we ask for anything. Should we get it? How much will it cost? Whatever. And the same when we go to God in prayer. There's always a degree of faith there needed. I was with a group of youngsters about four or five youngsters we had gone on what is called a missions trip to malawi we had gone north to a town called mizuzu which was a tea growing area and we met in this little uh straw sheltered building hardly call it a building but it, it was beautiful in, in the in the you looked around and outside and all you could see were tea tea plants all the way around. It was a it was an incredibly beautiful setting. And and we arrived there and we had a little time to share, and then we just sang a few songs and that time was over. What we didn't know was that a lady in a village 7 kilometers away had heard about this little church that met on sunday evenings and uh, she was interested because somebody had said to her that when they get to the end of the service they pray for the sick and she thought that's something new and i've been sick for over 20 years So she set out walking the 7K to find this little... We had ridden in in a vehicle. Well, yeah, you could call it a vehicle. We'd ridden there. And we'd arrived. Everything was finished. It was over. And just as I was moving through to to go for the side, one of the leaders of the church came to me and he said, "Uh, Pastor, uh, there's a lady who would like us to pray for her. And I was just going to say to him, well now, why don't you and your elders go and, and pray for her? But there was something just in my, in my spirit, I just felt that wouldn't be the right thing to say at that moment. So I, I got the other youngsters, the, the four or five who were with us, and this lady was sitting in the, in the pastor's house, I mean, a house is really a bit too grand a word for it. But it, it was where he and his family lived. And she was sitting in a chair. And uh, one of the youngsters next to me said, oh, good, we can lay hands and pray. You know, ladies, laying hands on ladies, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. But they all wanted to lay hands on this lady and pray. And something in my spirit said, no. And I, I, I'm getting a bit confused now. No in this situation? I, they told me that she'd walked 7K. But as the Lord said no, he said watch. And so I said to the guys, just just Watch. And as she sat there, something began to move, and I, I, I can't really describe it, but it was as though there was this movement, this kind of ripple, up and down, up and down. I said, "Watch, I think God's doing something." So this went on for about five minutes. This rippling. And I went to the lady and I said, would you you put your hand just across your heart like that? And she did. And I put my hand on her hand and I could feel this ripple going on. And I said to her, well, somebody else said, translating, what's happening? And the response came back, I don't know, but something's happening inside me. So, I got each of the youngsters to come and have that experience of putting their hand there and feeling what God was doing. We'd none of us said a prayer, all we'd done was to watch. And after about 15 20 minutes, that lady said, Thank you very much, and she walked 7K home. Two years later, I was at another meeting in another part of Malawi and the fellow sitting next to me said, do you remember that lady who, who came at the, after the meeting and, and we, what, we all watched what God was doing? I said, yeah. He said, well, do you know what she does now? He said, every week there's the local market and she goes to the market and she testifies that God is a God who heals. Because she was healed, she said, on that day from 20 years of sickness. And he said she preaches and she calls people to faith. And he said, we've lost count of the number of people, but it's in excess of 500. God said watch I learned something that day I'll never forget it you know what it was not to jump in just watch to begin with you don't know what God's up to when faith is there her faith and our faith and God's activity Sometimes we're in a position where we are so desperate that all we can do is to cry out to God. This lady knocked at my door in Sheldon, and I knew her, so I, I let her in. And she didn't sit on any of my, some of you've been in the house seen where it sit she didn't sit on any of the armchair or the settee or anything like that she just knelt on the ground and she started to cry and again for a minute or two i watched and then i asked and she told me about her brother some of you will know this lady She had escaped from Iran with her husband and her son, and she learned later that her brother had to move so quickly that he left everything behind, including a baby that he's never ever seen. He had to escape in order to live. And she was weeping. What do you do? What could I say? Well, she'd come to me clearly because she wanted me just to share that experience and pray with her. In that desperation, that with tears just running, she couldn't talk a lot of the time. We did pray and we did pray together. And she went home. And it was a matter of what, some six months later, that she answered her mobile. And it was her brother speaking. (laughs) And he was in England. And he was in the safety of a hotel for asylum seekers in Bournemouth. Sometimes you go to God out of sheer desperation. I met him and he's going to tell me one day his story. A cry of desperation, yeah. But also persistence. Sometimes you have to pray once and pray, and pray again and pray again and pray again and pray again. One of the questions I got asked in in Africa once was, How many times have you raised someone from the dead? <laughs> oh dear. I confessed, of course, that, no, that's not been my experience. But, and it's a big but, I I did have a close encounter once. This uh, lady was part of the the family at Small Heath. She was a nurse at East Birmingham Hospital. And uh, she'd been there for about three, four years. And uh, she began to suffer with uh, un- sort of uncontrollable flexes in her arms or her legs. Sometimes that she would she would fall, uh, and sometimes she would drop things. But because she was in the situation of being in the hospital there, they 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 took some notice of her because they loved her very much and. Uh, they got a consultant to, to see her and see what was going on. And apparently she'd got some rare condition, and I can't pronounce it, uh, and I can't spell it, uh, so just believe me that it was, it was a rare condition. And it, it had to do with her spine, and there's fluid in your spinal column apparently, but there are baffles in the spine that stop the, the fluid rubbing up and down. Uh, and this, 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 was as it was explained to me those years ago. So, bear with me. She had not got the baffles, and the the constant movement of this this fluid had worn through the shield of the nerves, and and so it was short circuiting the message of the brain, and, and and she couldn't control what what was happening anymore. So the consultant. Uh, talked to the family and the family asked me to be there with the consultant and and I heard him describe what he was going to do he was going to take some little bits of bone and he was going to make some baffles and he was going to put these implant these just at the top of the spinal column to stop the fluid going up and down so we prayed for her The the day she was going to have the operation, and about six o'clock in the evening, I got a phone call from the family and said, Would you come? We're going to, we're just going to see mum, and and the consultant wants to see us. So we went, and uh, the consultant was very explicit but very sad um, that the operation had been a success in one sense. Um, but she'd suffered quite uh, a major bleed and she had lost consciousness, and uh, the outcome was totally, totally uncertain. So we went in to see her. She was in, lying there in the bed and unconscious, and we prayed and went home. The next day, I felt stirred to go. It was the hospital towards Walsall Way, where she was. I, I felt that I ought to go. And so I went, and I, I walked in to a side room. Somebody told me she was in a side room, and I, I was going through the side room door, and as I went in, the nurse was just lifting up the white sheet and putting it over her face. And I said, just a minute. I said, what's happened? And she said, "Uh, well, we've done all we can and we think this is the end. I said, do you mind if I pray? Well, she said, if you think that's going to do any good, you can, yeah. So I just sat there and I prayed. And the next day, I felt the Lord say, go again. And I went again. And the white sheet was covering everything just up to here. And she was unc- She hadn't get, regained consciousness at all. Six days, the Lord prompted me to go. I don't know. He prompted me to go. I had no idea what was going to happen, of course. But I was sitting here and she was in the bed there and I was looking down. And all of a sudden, I saw the sheet, the white sheet ripple. And it was her big toe. And it just moved a fraction. So I went off to the nurse and I said, nurse, can, can, can you come? Because I, I said, something you ought to see. And she said, what is it? I said, I I think her big toe moved. No, of course not. And I said, but will you come? And she said, yeah, okay, I'll come. So she came, and of course the sheet didn't move, did it? But nurse was obviously running out of time or patience or something. But just as she was about to go, she said, "Ah!" and the sheet rippled. Now cutting a long story short because it was a long time that ripple was the first response of life that they had seen in over a week and that was the first of a long journey to recovery. She did recover. Visiting her at home many weeks after she had recovered. While she, was in the, while she was in the bed, the hospital bed, the first time I saw her, she had, I counted them, she had 22 different connections to her body with wires and, and all sorts of things. So I thought, well, this is pretty serious business. And uh, I, was, I was talking to her and she said, did I ever tell you what was happening to me when, uh, when you were praying for me? And I said, no, you didn't. <laughs> I said, please. <laughs> and she said, well, she said, I loved my dad. I loved my dad. And my dad died. And I was so upset when my dad died. She said, but when, when I was, what, unconscious? Yeah, I said, okay. When I was unconscious, she said, I had a time when I heard my dad calling. And she said, I I looked, and he was on the other side of a river. And he was saying, come on, come on over, come and join me. Come on, my beloved, come on over. And she said, I was so nervous, she said, that I just took a few steps. She said, but this river... It was quite wide. And he was shouting, come on over, come on over. It's good here. It's good here. And she said, I put my foot in the water and drew it out because it was so cold. And I said, which foot did you put in the water? And she said, my right one. And it was a right big toe that I saw move. And I'm quite confident that that was happening when we were praying for that lady. Sometimes, prayer involves persistence. And the last one, the boring one, routine, routine. When I was, when I was little, oh, is that the time? Okay. When I, was, when I was little, my grandmother had a big impact in my life. And... Uh, I think it was about three or four, we're taught every night to kneel down and say prayers. And from that age up until I was, what, 17, 18, that was the routine, every night to kneel down and say, God bless mommy, God bless daddy, God bless auntie, God bless uncle. Our Father, which art in heaven and go through the Lord's Prayer. And then a verse, two verses that were just verses of, of, of songs that were sung in the chapel. And then the last one was give peace in our time, O Lord, amen. And then off to bed. The routine of praying has something about it it has something about it something that i valued all my all my life the routine the repetition the daily prayer the pattern the lord's prayer okay just for a couple of minutes just around your table before we come to a close have you got an answer to prayer that you could share around your table that's been your experience just go for a moment and have a think okay well time has been uh, and always is the enemy that's what we when we grew up we said oh what what's the enemy say and everybody knew it was the time you were talking about okay james says it helps to confess to each other and pray and healing can be the result and he also says that asking leaders to gather together and anoint with oil and pray for the sick, that can be a powerful prayer too. So today, it's an opportunity. If you would like, Jill, me, Rachel, or anybody else, or someone on your table to pray for you. Now is the chance, Today's the chance. Get, get some prayer today because you don't know. God might be there and waiting to answer with power. And don't forget, anybody, anytime, anywhere, any situation, you can talk to God, even in an Anglican church.